Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website and give them a call. It's johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest William Yateman. He's a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll visit with Esther Lully. She is the senior center director for the Collier Senior Center in Golden Gate. This is a February is National Senior Independence Month, month, and we'll be talking about what's going on at the Senior Center. Uh, Larry Bell is an endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and uh, the author of many books. He also writes his column for Newsmax.com. It is February the 2nd, and on this day in 1887, Groundhog Day, featuring a rodent meteorologist, is celebrated for the first time in Gobbler's Knob in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania, According to tradition, if a groundhog comes out of the hole on this day and sees its shadow, it gets scared and runs back into the burrow, predicting six more weeks of winter. No shadow means an early spring. Groundhog Day had its roots in an ancient Christian tradition of candlemas, when clergy would bless and distribute candles needed for winter. The candles represented how long and cold the winter would be. Germans expanded onto this concept by selecting an animal, the hedgehog, as a means of predicting weather. Once they came to America, German settlers in Pennsylvania continued the tradition, although they switched from hedgehogs to groundhogs, which were plentiful in the Keystone State. Groundhogs, also called woodchucks, typically weigh 12 to 15 pounds and live 6 to 8 years. They eat vegetables and fruits and whistle when they're frightened or looking for a mate. They're sometimes called whistle pigs, and they can climb trees and swim. They go into hibernation in the late fall during this time. Their body's temperatures drop significantly. Their heartbeats slow from 80 to 5 beats per minute, and they can lose 30% of their body fat. In February, male groundhogs emerge from their burrows to look for a mate, not necessarily to predict the weather, before going underground again. They uh, come out of hibernation for good in March. In 1887, a newspaper editor belonging to a group of groundhog hunters from Puxatawney called the Puxatawney Groundhog Club, declared that Phil, the Puxatawney Groundhog, was America's only true weather forecasting groundhog. The line of groundhogs that have since been known as Phil might be America's most famous groundhogs, but other towns across North America have been seen their own weather-predicting rodents, from Birmingham Bill to Staten Island Chuck to Sheb and Caddy uh, Sam in Canada. In uh, 1993, the movie Groundhog Day starred Bill Murray, (laughs) it was a terrific movie, uh, popularized the use of Groundhog Day to mean something that repeated over and over again. Today, tens of thousands of people uh, converge on Gobbler's Knob in Puxatawney each February the 2nd to witness Phil's prediction. They're going to do it again today. The Puxatawney Groundhog Club hosts a three-day celebration featuring entertainment and activities. Now, since 1887, Phil has protected long-lasting winters 107 times and early springs 20 times, while for 10 years we don't have records and once uh, he was a no-show. That means his forecast of longer winters is 84% of his known predictions. He has also called for longer winters uh, for the past three years. <clears throat> so we'll look forward to the prediction today. Well, stocks made a big turnaround yesterday with all three major indexes in positive territory at Wall Street recovered from the Fed tempering uh, expectations on interest rate cuts earlier this week. Some saying that the first interest rate could be as late as November. Others are saying May. Uh, Again, speculation of what the Fed might do. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis announced that Florida is deploying members of the Florida National Guard and members of the Florida State Guard will be deployed to desist Texas in its efforts to stop the invasion at the southern border. Florida is offering up up to a battalion of National Guard members, about 1,000 soldiers, to Texas who will be deployed based on Texas's needs. These deployments are in addition to the more than 90 officers from the Florida Highway Patrol, Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, and the Florida Department of Law Enforcement that are currently deployed to the border. Additional law enforcement resources are standing by and are ready to deploy as requested by Texas state officials. 
States have every right to defend their sovereignty, and we are pleased to increase our support to Texas as the Lone Star State works to stop the invasion across the border, said Governor Ron DeSantis. Our reinforcements will help Texas to add additional barriers, including razor wire along the border. We don't have a country if we don't have a border, said DeSantis. So illegal immigrants hoping to cross into the U.S.-Mexico border are receiving over a billion dollars in money cards, envelopes of cash, and other benefits paid for by, guess whom, U.S. taxpayers as part of President Joe Biden's pro-immigration programs, according to a watchdog investigation. In funds provided by the State Department and the U.S.-backed United Nations outlets, religious-based and other humanitarian groups are paving migration trails with cold cash and free loans to help ease the hardships of immigrants face as they head to the border, like over 300,000 did in December. According to an investigation by the Center for Immigration Studies, a Washington-based watchdog group, state handed out uh, more than $1.4 billion in international humanitarian groups in just the last year. Biden is directing, directly footing the bill for, the least, for at least part of the facilitating of the most voluminous mass migration crisis in U.S. history. I'll call it an invasion. And now it's uh, fourth straight year, said a report from CIS Senior National Security Fellow Todd Todd Benzman. He's terrific and a great spokesman for the organization. Well, let's talk a little bit about the news, mainstream media. In what continues to be a challenging economic climate for media organizations, January witnessed an unsettling wave of layoffs impacting more than 500 journalists. A total of 538 layoffs have been publicly announced within the realm of print, broadcast, and digital news sectors uh, during the first month of the year. This alarming figure is indicative of a broader financial adversity that news industry has faced and continues to to grapple with. Following a harrowing year for uh, media-related employment, 2023 already started on a disheartening note. Historically, last year's total job losses in the industry surged to 3,087, a record high since the downturn experienced in 2020, which saw 16,060 layoffs. Recent layoffs have spanned across well-known news institutions like uh, NBC News, Time Magazine, Business Insider, and the Los Angeles Times were among those who were announced reductions in their workforce. Other outlets, such as Pitchfork, which is being uh, integrated into GQ, and Sports Illustrated, which is reducing its size significantly, are also enduring cuts. These developments come alongside labor disputes resulting in walkouts at Condé Nast due to proposed layoffs. The persistent downsizing echoes the distressing state of news industry and signifies the ongoing volatility in the media job market. Well, uh, journalists aren't sitting still about this. They're at some of the nation's top regional newspapers are staging a significant protest against their parent company, known for aggressive cost-cutting in its newsrooms. Workers from publications like the Chicago Tribune and Orlando Sentinel are planning a walkout to demand better pay and secure better benefits. The action targets the refusal of the company to provide cost-of-living increases and it threats to abolish the 401k matches. These papers, part of the chain previously owned by Tribune Publishing, have come under new management by Alden Global Capital since 2021, a move that uh, has drawn criticism from the staff. Alden, which employs uh, employees accused of vulture capitalism, not venture, but vulture capitalism, tactics such as liquidating newsroom real estate, could see the newspaper production significantly hampered by the mass walkout. According to insiders, most of the union members who contribute significantly to the printing process are expected to join the editorial strike. Dave Rocknick, a print production specialist, expressed uncertainty over the impending quality of the publications post-walkout, acknowledging that a paper will likely publish, but its standard could be compromised. It go from bad to worse, apparently. Workers believe that their efforts uh, go beyond public relations, holding potential to uh, impact the working of the newspaper chain. Echoing the actions of the colleagues, journalists in the New York Daily News, also under Alden's umbrella, executed a similar protest last week. The overarching uh, message from the employees is clear. Their fight for integrity of their profession and community journalism is far from over. So the employees are up in arms and uh, concerned about their jobs, but you know the overall picture here is pretty bleak. 
And here's an interesting story. In a mass sudden turn of events, the once celebrated news platform, The Messenger, has ceased operations, leaving its digital presence empty and its employees without severance. The company, which came on the scene with big ambition just last May, experienced a swift downfall known internally as the Titanic of publishing disasters. On Wednesday evening, all articles were wiped from the Messenger's website following a source statement indicating the site will go dark. That's all it said. The site's final note and email address offered no further explanations. Despite uh, attempts by the co-founder and CEO to salvage the operation through urgent funding efforts, the end came abruptly. He originally raised $50 million to kickstart the platform and envisioned the messenger as a new centrist voice in media aiming to compete with established news outlets like the Los Angeles Times. The messenger employed aggressive strategies to attract journalism talent, wooing professionals with significant pay from organizations such as, well, The Post, Politico, and uh, NBC News. Dan Wakeford, the site's editor, was reportedly offered a salary of $900,000. Wow. Analysts speculate that the fundamental flaw behind the messenger's failure was a combination of ill-defined purpose and general mismanagement. Uh, Sources close to the situation disclosed feelings of betrayal as uh, the promising venture led many to leave stable positions for a project that ended prematurely. Discussions of a buyout of financial injections surfaced earlier this month. A group of investors, which included uh, Omid Malik, known for supporting Tucker Carlson's media initiative, proposed a $30 million uh, infusion for controlling stake. Uh, indicating that it might be worth about $60 million. Yet no rescue is in sight. Former employees and media community are left reflecting on the dramatic rise and fall of this ambitious media startup, The Messenger, the Titanic of publishing disasters. Now, out of business and went dark. Amazing story. So the uh, mainstream media is in trouble right now. There's no question about that. It makes me wonder if... uh, I don't know if you remember the uh, network, the uh, movie goes back, I think it was the 1980s, if I'm not mistaken, uh, about the the news media and the transition it was making from being reporting the news to becoming a business venture. I wonder if that's really led to what's uh, happening right now. It's really concerning. Well, hundreds of farmers protested outside the European Parliament building in Brussels yesterday as lawmakers gathered for a summit. Demonstrators blocked roads with over a 1,000 tractors, toppled a statue, set fires, launched fireworks, and threw eggs. The protest uh, joined dozens more across some of Europe's major cities where thousands of farmers have gathered in recent weeks to protest their economic conditions. Activists are calling for increased wages, tax relief, reductions in environmental rules, and protection from cheap food imports, among others. Nearly 80 protesters were arrested in France after 10,000 farmers gathered, uh, blocking main arteries with tractors. Several major supermarkets called for the end of the protest Thursday due to allow disrupted food supply chains to reopen. European Union lawmakers appeared to concede to farmers Wednesday when they agreed to delay a proposed rule requiring farmers not to cultivate 4% of their arable land to allow for soil regeneration. Unbelievable. Uh, you got to have food, folks. No, no sense in messing with uh, private enterprise in farming and agriculture. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow with the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. And now serving dinner, 4 to 8 p.m., Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett, candidate for Cuyahoga County Supervisor of Elections. Tim's a 33-year resident of Cuyahoga County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's officer, and a graduate of the FBI National Academy. Tim stands for Safe, Secure, Ethical Elections in Cuyahoga County. Vote for Tim Garrett and check out his website, votefortimgarrett.com. Paid for by Tim Gret, Republican for Cuyahoga County Supervisor of Elections, and a great guy as well. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Esther Lully, the Senior Center Director at Cuyahoga Senior Center Golden Gate. Right now we have with us William Yateman, a Senior Legal Fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. We're a nonprofit law firm, and we defend Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. Pacificlegal.org is the website, pacificlegal.org. So, William, let's talk about what's going on in Capitol Hill, and Congress is still struggling with these appropriations. Maybe you could give us an update on what's going on. Indeed. Sort of a, a tale of two halves, if you will, on spending this week. So, on the one hand, the last week we we spoke about congressional appropriations, leadership had arrived at a top-line spending number, um, about $1.55 trillion. Uh, the next phase in this process was for the 12, uh, the 12 subcommittees uh, that control the 12 appropriation bills, not control, but that have the initiative and the 12 appropriation bills that mm-hmm. we've spoken about before, for them to divvy up that top-line number. And after weeks of negotiations, uh, they did so on Monday of this week, which allows uh, which allows this process to, I guess, continue to the next phase, which is these 12 subcommittees coming up with legislation um, and then it moving through both respective chambers of Congress. So that's an update on the nuts and bolts of the appropriations process. So if I could, uh, just if I could understand then, what, what's happening here is they're allocating a certain amount of this uh, money, $1.55 trillion, to each of the silos. They, in turn, are going to take that number and uh, create legislation to uh, how that money is going to be divvied up within their silo. Exactly. Okay. Um, and so, uh, this is a process, uh, I should note here, the forming of a top-line number has, for 40-odd years has been a function of, of leadership negotiations behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. The way that top-line number was originally supposed to be gotten 
the way Congress established the budget process in 1974 is that uh, the budget committees in both the Senate and the House would undergo a four-month-long process whereby Mm. they would articulate a top-line number. Alas, uh, for reasons we've gone into before, that that process, which makes a lot of sense, has gone the way of the dodo bird. Right. Um, so once that top line number is arrived at by leadership, then it's incumbent. Then leadership divvies up that top line figure in negotiations with these appropriations. They're known as appropriations cardinals. So the twelve lawmakers in both the House and the Senate that run the subcommittees that have authority jurisdiction over these twelve spending bills. Mm. And uh, that was the process that they've been doing for the last three weeks, which is going from the top line number to dividing it up amongst those 12 silos, as you said. Okay, so regular order would be a bottom-up type of process that proposes a number uh, for the for the silo, whereas this is kind of a top-down process. At least it's getting closer to regular order. Exactly. So this is like 50% of regular order. Yeah. So this is the backside of regular order, the, the allocation of the appropriation, the politics of the appropriation. The front side, which is coming up with that top-line number, um, which is supposed to consider sort of the long-term financial effects, all the sort of common sense things we talk about on many Fridays that are lacking in today's federal budgeting picture. Um, that process, alas, has not yet been revived. Yeah. However, I mean, it is hoped that, again, Speaker Johnson ascended to the speakership on a promise of a return to full regular order. So it is hoped in subsequent Congresses um, that we will indeed see uh, the, the reemergence of this front half of the regular order process. Now, in addition to that, are there some uh, billions of dollars in subsidies? Yes. So this was this is the other half. Um, so uh, the worst sort of this week by a 357 to 70 overwhelmingly bipartisan vote, the House passed the Tax Relief for American Families and Workers Act. And this is an example of, of what I call troth politics. Mm-hmm. Um, where both Republicans and Democrats line up at the trough, and the trough is filled with public monies, and they all slake their thirst. And that explains why you know it's overwhelming bipartisan support. Um, but $78 billion tax package, it's uh, the, GO, the, the Republicans get a reinstatement of these special interest deductions. And to be sure, I'm, I'm a supply cider. Uh, I'm all for lowering uh, taxes, uh, reducing our tax burden, starving the Leviathan. However, these sort of targeted deductions are always a function of special interest negotiations behind closed doors. That's what the Republicans sought. And then Democrats get this, uh, quote-unquote, refundable tax credit for people with children. And whereas I benefit personally from this, we have two small kids, um, this is terrible policy. I mean, these, these refundable tax credits are, in essence, direct subsidies, the direct welfare um, with all the attended problems, given our thirty, what is it, thirty-four trillion dollar deficit currently, and mm. I should note on that end, this uh, uh, independent analysis suggests that this measure would add four hundred billion dollars to the deficit over the next ten years. So it's just very tough to square this sort of loosey-goosey yeah. uh, treatment of the fiscal coffers with uh, Speaker Johnson's avowed commitment to reining in spending. I will note one very briefly on a happier note. It, it is the bill has run into a buzzsaw in the Senate. Um, so, uh, although it was negotiated by in part by Senate Finance Committee Chairman Ron Wyden, um, evidently it was done so behind closed doors, yeah. which and the Senate GOP um, is skeptical of the process that led to this bill and the substance of the bill. So. It's promising, I guess, to the extent that there's a minimal chance this bill in its current form would become law of the land. Well, thank you so much for that update. It's like a tale of a thousand nights. There seems to be no no end to this process, but I appreciate the update. <laughs> so where do we stand with uh, the Trump, uh, I'm going to call it lawfare? <laughs> the, uh, so two updates. Um, first, uh, the, uh, the D.C. Circuit, which is hearing that appeal, which while that they're hearing this appeal, it pauses the district court judge Chutkin's, um, this is the January 6th trial. Uh, the big news there is how long it's taken the D.C. Circuit to appeal or to hear an appeal to review this matter of the extent of presidential immunity. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, without going into the legalese details, all I'll note is that uh, the case, the lower court case, the district court 
uh, January 6th case has been paused 50 days now, and it has altered the calendar, the trial calendar of Judge Chutkin's plans. Um, that is to say, a trial could not start now uh, at the earliest until April, whereas she had planned to start in early March. So it has uh, engendered a great deal of confusion, you might say, from the uh, legal set online. They're wondering what's taking the D.C. Circuit so long. Um, and then the other quick update was that this week, um, Judge Cannon in the Florida case had an ex parte meeting with special counsel Jack Smith. And ex parte just means um, a closed door meeting. And at this meeting, they uh, discussed uh, Smith's efforts to limit Trump's access to classified materials um, as part of his defense. Evidently, and this is an area of the law that I am not an expert in, but we have a statute on the books, a law on the books. Um, that limits, that, that can limit uh, defendants' access to classified material. Ah. Um, so it's unclear what the outcome of that meeting, again, it took place behind closed doors, um, but just something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. It just makes me wonder if, if uh, there's ever going to, if Trump was ever going to face jail time by the time the election comes along. I suspect not. I, it's a, who knows? Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. William Aitman, again, uh, senior legal fellow with Pacific Legal Foundation. PacificLegal.org is the website. I hope you'll check it out. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. All right, coming up, Esther Lully. She is the senior uh, center director for the Collier Senior Center and Golden Gate. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239 325 1041. That's 239 325 1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Esther Lully. She's the Senior Center Director for the Collier Senior Center in Golden Gate. Esther, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. My pleasure. Thank you, Esther. So uh, February is National Senior Independence Month, and you wrote a yes. column which is really, really terrific. And uh, maybe you could tell us about the Collier Senior Center and what you do. Absolutely. As you know, we're celebrating seniors every day, Bob. So, But we certainly 
appreciate the recognition that uh, seniors are having this month. Uh, the Collier Senior Center, man, it's, it's home to over 1,900 uh, 1, registered members. And so we have a variety of programs there, uh, but we are mostly known for our daily hot lunch program, which we partner with the Collier County Nutritious Program that is hosted Monday through Friday um, at 12 p.m. And that's for any senior in the within Collier County. And of course, they have to register a week prior. Um, but that's one of the service that we're doing where we have a coffee bar, a weekly food pantry. We partner with Meals of Hope, Harry Chapman and other community partners. We're doing monthly birthday celebration, exercise classes, arts and crafts. I mean, games, health screening and assessments, holiday party. And so we just offer a plethora of services and programs to help meet the needs of our seniors, Bob. Yeah, well, and of course, one of the things that happens as we grow, when we begin to age, we begin to see our circle of friendships and support systems kind of narrow and get a lot of lonely folks out there. And by the way, you'd also mentioned in your column, 32% of college seniors are below the annual survival budget threshold of $26,680 a person. So, and that's 45000 a couple. Yeah. Point being is that uh, these support services are extremely important to uh, maintain well, not only the physical well-being through these uh, mealing uh, programs, but also through uh, psychologically being able to maintain independence and a sense of happiness. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why we're so intentional about providing a safe, diverse, and caring space for our older adults and also their caregivers uh, so they could benefit from our program services and resources as well. And two of those resources I would like to highlight, for example, in light of the lunch program that we do, and like you said, Bob, highlighting an atmosphere where people could feel cared for and welcome, combat with isolation and loneliness. We also uh, have a direct assistance program, which is a one-time financial assistance and this we see the need it's great in Collier County regarding affordable housing mental health care you know dental health things of that sort and so we do our best again through the generosity of our grantors and again community partners we're able to assist them one time throughout the year and helping them with rental um, dental bill health bill whatever it is that they may need medication so that way they're not having to you know make a decision whether to pay rent or take care of their health. And so the need is great out there. And we also have an upslide program, which is our mental wellness program. This is a friendship. There's two components to it, a friendship connection group. We meet on a weekly basis every Wednesday. And also um, they're able to meet with a licensed therapist. And all of this is at no cost where they can speak about the things that, you know, um, is of great concern to them and find strategies and method and how to properly deal with it both mentally and emotionally. And so these are just several of the, you know, a few of the things that um, we're assisting our adult population with. But the need is great out there. And Collier Senior Center is definitely on the ground with the boots running. Yeah, I, I hope our listeners, if you if you have somebody, a senior in your life, maybe you're not that person, but maybe it's your uh, somebody that you know, uh, make a recommendation to the college senior center, Golden Gate, and let them know that these services exist. Because, and, and do you have a website? Yes, our website is callyourseniorcenter.org. And Bob, we're open Monday through Friday again from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And our address is 4898 Coronado Parkway. Um, we're at the old library in Golden Gate, so that's probably one of the reference points. Mm -hmm. But yeah, someone can stop on, you know, come on by and we're more than happy to give them a tour to um, let them see how we facilitate within the building our activities and give them a calendar and also, um, yeah, they can stay updated um, through checking out our website. So you also have a number of activities going on. I was wondering if you could just kind of highlight some of the things that uh, seniors can participate in at the uh, center. Okay, for example, when it comes to physical fitness, uh, we have chair yoga, we have Zumba that we highlight, and we also have our arts and crafts um, courses. Um, all again, all of these helping to build community, you know, socialization. Um, as I mentioned, we have our upslide, our mental wellness program that they could participate in. And we're also very intentional with having um, quarterly um, health screenings where we partner with community partner, whether it be the Lions Club, vision screening, things of that sort. And we recently just hosted a cardiac 
series with the advanced research for health improvement. So these are the type of programs that we're wanting to host at our center where, again, depending on your need or the resource um, that they're looking for, um, they can certainly call us, see what's happening there that's relevant to their needs. And if we don't have it, we'll definitely guide them to the correct place. But we, again, this is ongoing for us. Absolutely. So give us that website again. The website is www.callyourseniorcenter.org. Callyourseniorcenter.org is the website. So, again, for our listeners, uh, maybe this affects you. Maybe you'd like to become a member and find out more. You can stop by, and uh, there's no charge for uh, being a, a member of the Senior Center. You could go there and, and participate, and also you could get some support. Uh, for uh, uh, lunch program or whatever it might be. Again, callyourseniorcenter.org. Callyourseniorcenter.org is the website. Well, Esther, just uh, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Bob. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You, you as well. Thank you. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences and opening a performing arts center in downtown Naples, 44,000 square feet. It's going to be terrific. First performance there will be in November, but you don't have to wait. You can see performances at our current location in uh you can visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Well, Clerk Crystal Kinzel is pleased to announce that registration is open for the fourth annual Valentine's Day Wedding and Vow Renewal Ceremony, which will be held at the Eva Sugden Gomez Center at Baker Park on February the 14th. That's Valentine's Day. This event's organized by the Collier County Clerk of Courts. And if you're not aware, the Clerk of Courts... Uh, Crystal Kenzel is an elected official. She's the controller and independently elected constitutional officer responsible for safeguarding public funds and protecting public records. So there's no cost for this. It's free, and you can uh, uh, just register. Make sure you, if you're going to get married, you need, of course, a marriage license. You need to take, take, her, take care of that. But uh, what a nice Valentine's gift to renew vows, and you can do that by visiting the website 
callyourclerk.com slash marriage license slash Valentine's Day. Again, callyourclerk.com slash marriage licenses slash Valentine's Day. Uh, again, uh, interesting idea. And people uh, rave about it. It's a great, great time. I'm not sure if it's, uh, quote unquote, sold out if there's room, but uh, certainly check it out. Well, Israeli soldiers disguised as medical workers and civilians raided a hospital in West Bank town of Jenin, killing three Palestinian militants. Hamas uh, confirmed one of the men was a commander. Islamic Jihad uh, claimed that the other two men, uh, the uh, operation raised fears that the violence could escalate further in the West Bank. The Israeli military accused the militants of using the hospital as a hideout and said it was another example of cynical use of civilian areas and hospitals as shelters and human shields. Hamas and Islamic Jihad threatened to retaliate. The International Committee on the Red Cross said hospitals and medical patients should be respected and protected at all times. Well, that, of course, should be up to Hamas. And they're using uh, people, hospitals, uh, places, uh, schools, as uh, areas to, uh, to hide. And uh, it's just despicable what these folks are doing. Uh, speaking of rising tensions, President Biden said he's decided on how to respond to attack the killed three soldiers. He didn't share the details, but said he doesn't think we need a wider war. So he's going to try and walk, walk a tightrope on that one. Well, an atmospheric river is set to bring torrential rains and strong winds across the West Coast this week, affecting millions of Americans. The weather system, known as the Pineapple Express because it originates near Hawaii, extends 3,000 miles. It's expected to push south from British Columbia, Canada to Northern California and then reached into Southern California today before making its way to Arizona in the weekend. A pineapple express can bring as much as five inches of rain in a single day in California. And some coastal areas are forecast to see over eight inches of rain throughout the week. And knowing California as we do, in fact, we lived there for 10 years, you can become mudslides are extremely prevalent. And uh, you need to be very careful about what's happening out there. Higher elevations, including the Sierra Nevada, could see one to three feet of snow. A second atmospheric river storm could follow, arriving in California sometime uh, on Sunday. Our weather this weekend is not supposed to be wonderful either. It's supposed to, we're supposed to get some rain and some more, more uh, chilly weather. Well, President Joe Biden used obscene language to describe former President Don, Donald Trump in private settings despite campaigning on civility. Do you remember that? At least three people have heard Biden call Trump a... <laughs> he's throwing them around, F-bomb, sick F, in private settings, citing claims that Biden was uh, or Trump was cheering on January 6th riot at the Capitol building, according to Politico. During his January 6th speech near Valley Forge, President Biden uh, reportedly used the term publicly calling him sick before letting the sentence trail off to the applause and laughter from the crowd. Uh, again, Joe Biden is just so disappointing in terms of his behavior. And uh, apparently he has Trump derangement syndrome. <laughs> He's, he uh, just can't handle it. Well, Ukrainian President uh, Zelensky reportedly sought to dismiss his popular top general, uh, Zaluski Ni. I can't pronounce that, but that's, it's a bunch of letters. Anyhow, after the uh, general refused the president's request Monday to step down voluntarily, but yesterday uh, evening, Zelensky had pulled back on the request after a potential successor were said to have refused the job. The 50-year-old uh, Zaluzensky Zenyi, uh, had led Ukraine's army forces since 2021 and currently holds the highest approval rating of any public Ukrainian official at 88%. He's been, uh, of course, uh, Zelensky and this gentleman have uh, been at odds. He's been credited with quickly mobilizing the military ahead of Russia's full-scale invasion in February 2022. The two clashed publicly in November over divergent descriptions of last year's stalled counteroffensive, and they reportedly disagreed Monday on the possibility of a new mass mobilization in Ukraine. News comes as Zelensky mulls scheduling elections this year despite wartime martial laws barring them. Separately, Ukraine and Russia conducted a military swap yesterday for the first time since a Russian military plane reportedly carrying Ukrainian prisoners of war crashed last week. No report of how many were killed. In fact, the, the information on that has been pretty, it's been pretty quiet. So we don't know what happened to those folks in that plane. But uh, 
Uh, they went down as a couple of hundred of them. Well, in 2021, FBI agents raised, raid, raided the premises of a U.S. private vaults in Beverly Hills in search of evidence of money laundering. They took quite a haul with over 700 boxes carted away. The government then initiated civil forfeiture proceedings against any property confiscated worth over $5,000, even though the boxes weren't even, uh, weren't even accused of wrongdoing and were charged with a crime. The total haul was $85 million in cash and millions more in property. None of the boxes renters have uh, been charged with a crime. Two of the victims, Paul and Jennifer Snetko, uh, sued the government for wrongful taking of their property. The Federal Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled unanimously against the government last week, comparing the FBI's actions to the British authorities who performed limitless searches prior to the American Revolution. The court noted it was very abusive, uh, abuses of power, after all, that led to the adoption of the Fourth Amendment in the first place. Under Joe Biden, our system of justice is badly broken. The FBI is out of control. And prosecutor abuse is rampant. Bravo to the Snetkos and, <clears throat> and, and uh, Institute for Justice standing up against this rampant tyranny. Can you imagine confiscating, confiscating $85 million in cash in property with no crime? Just uh, the government just has, can, uh, can do that. Uh, that somehow should be corrected in, in our laws. Well, and this is a sad story. Former uh, Trump White House trade advisor Peter Navarro was sentenced to four months in prison following his conviction in September on two counts of congressional contempt after he defied a subpoena from the former House Select Committee that probed uh, the January 6th Capitol riot. Both counts carry mandatory minimum sentences of one month in prison, but prosecutors said in a filing last week that the amount of time is insufficient to account for, punish, and to defer defendant's criminal offense. That according to ABC News. Prosecutors asked a federal judge Amit Mita uh, to sentence Navarro, 74, to six months in prison for each charge, running concurrently and fine him $200,000, which is $100,000 for each count. Uh, the judge ultimately ordered Navarro to pay $9,500 in, in fines. The defendant, like uh, rioters at the Capitol, put politics, not country first, and stonewall congressional investigation, prosecutors said. The defendant chose allegiance to former President Donald Trump over the rule of law. They actually got it backwards. Although the House Select Committee is no longer functional, it affects are still being felt. For example... Former Trump White House strategist Steve Bannon was convicted in 2022 on two counts of contempt and sentenced to four months in prison, but the sentence is suspended pending an appeal as he attempts to overturn his conviction. Meanwhile, the select committee is accused of deleting more than 100 encrypted files days uh, before Republicans took uh, the majority. This is so corrupt. Again, more lawfare. And this is how our legal system, judicial system, so much has been weaponized against the American people. It's not supporting the American people. It's not bringing justice. It's creating uh, Ill injustice in so many different ways. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston Space Architecture. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in their offices. Visit the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston Space Architecture, the author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Larry Bell. It's a terrific read. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Professor. Well, your latest column related to climate change, government knows uh, best carbon taxes will crush low-wage earners, uh, but there's so much going on with regard to uh, this alternative energy process and the demonization of carbon dioxide. I'd love to get to get an update from you. Yeah, I've been writing about this uh, nexus between climate alarm and pushing subsidies for energy for a very long time, at least a dozen years, and and I wrote a couple of books about it, and I've done, I don't know, countless articles, both Forbes and Newsmax about it. But it's really the, um, really looking how this, this climate alarm stuff has been used to push uh, subsidies for energy, you know, for wind and solar, and more recently electric vehicles and so on. And uh, looking at it from the standpoint of also of, of the science, so-called science behind it, that's that allegedly supporting some kind of a climate crisis, which, um, and I, I wrote an article about Clintel, an organiza- international organization, 1,600 and some people, scientists, said, no, there's no, clim- there's no climate crisis. Yeah. And, and I, I was one of the signatories of that. So this is kind of an old issue with me, but a, it's always the current one, and uh, I wrote an article Wednesday, last Wednesday, I, about the the carbon tax that you keep hearing about, and, mm-hmm. and the notion that somehow one and even even Republicans, and I'll, I'll mention that when I when I first started writing about this, my first book, Climate of Corruption, you know, I was really an outlier along with you know a lot of my scientific friends, but certainly the public was ignorant about this and. Al Gore was in his full fury, and, and the United Nations was pushing a Kyoto Protocol and so on. And so this guy was kind of a wolf howling in the wilderness about about how how crazy this was. And now I'd say that at least half, at least, at least I think a majority of Republicans are, are very skeptical of any crisis and think it's overblown and so on, as become very much of a partisan divide on, on how they view it but the but the uh, but, but what I wrote about Wednesday is how Republicans who should know better mm-hmm. then on one hand they say well you know there's no crisis and so on and they're right climate's been changing for millions of years and then they then they push for a, for a carbon tax which which basically is a tax on everything because carbon tax is 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 vilifying carbon dioxide as some kind of the evil pollutant. It's actually plant food, and and by by putting a tax on on carbon, you know. And the first first of all, they'll start and say, "Well, this is really aimed at China because we we want to they're un, they're unfair and so on. So if we tax their products and, and imports and so on, 
based upon their carbon output, mm-hmm. uh, then then we're doing a great thing. Well, you don't understand that's a that's a Trojan horse. Whenever you uh, you know vilify carbon carbon dioxide, how long do you think it's going to be before that you know that whole mantra reasserts itself here in, in you know every, everywhere else and. Uh, right. And and so the carbon tax is really bipartisan insanity to me. And and on one hand, saying, "Well, carbon bad, you know," uh, but but climate isn't as bad as we thought. Well, then what's the motivation behind all this? Behind John Kerry and you know, and we you know the Kyoto Protocol and in the you know the Paris Agreement and so on that where where the the, the developed countries. Take a hickey, and they and they uh, they supposed to not eat red meat anymore because of flatulent cows, <laughs> and 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 uh, China is building the equivalents of about a two new coal plants per week, yeah. and 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 it's and, and it's not so much just the coal plants because because you know coal can be quite clean. We we scrub it in the stack, and it's it produces some particulates that actually cause cooling. But, but, but their plants are not clean. Yeah, and uh, you know that. So we're talking, we're talking about real pollution there, and we're talking about. You know, so giving, we're giving, uh, you know, China a pass, and and Biden's talking about putting a hold on, on liquid natural gas, oh. and 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 which is which is very clean, in order to push you know wind and solar, wind and solar. Providing together about three percent of world energy, and about about the same here in the U.S. Solar is under one percent, and wind is about two percent. And I don't even believe it's two percent because the utility companies get paid whether when they produce it, when the wind's blowing, whether whether it's during a peak demand period and they use it or not. Yeah. And so, is in people not also realize that these wind turbines have a have a shelf life of about fifteen years. Yeah, and then you got Towers of junk, you know, and, and and they cost huge amounts to build. They they're they cost a lot of steel and, and energy. Now we hear they're they're killing whales, and and it's absolute insanity. And I have an article this morning coming out about this trial on on one of the big big guys behind this 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 really uh, terrible science uh, who, who's been suing everybody that disagrees with him. For you know, for uh, slander, you know, we have this thing with climate deniers, like, like, like there are people on this planet that you know they're climate change deniers. Well, I've never, I've never personally met one in my life. Right. I've never met anybody that doesn't believe climate changes. Uh, it's a bigger question whether there's any kind of emergency or what's causing it, right. and climate changes for a lot of reasons, and. Yeah. and and they're and they're not well understood by the science community, and and one of my big irks is that why, you know the science community is so embedded in this. You know the the universities that get you know they get uh, grants in order to try to find a dead polar bear somewhere. You know, um, is is excuse me, they're they're of no help whatsoever. They're right. quite quite the opposite. And so uh, this whole thing, this whole round robin of you know, climate and energy and so on. Is such such a terrible fraud on on what science should be, and it echoes what we've seen with COVID and, and the World Health Organization and and so on, where they say, "Well, we'll, we'll follow the science." Well, like you know, follow it right to the bank. Yeah, you and here's the thing, Professor. It's also destroying our economy. You'd mentioned that it's going to crush low wage earners. Uh, but you take a look at all the uh, uh, electric vehicles that are stacking up in, in uh, lots, in sales lots. Pe- people don't want to buy them anymore. And uh, it's costing us a lot of money for no particular purpose whatsoever. It's just, it's going to do nothing but create destruction. It's not going to benefit anybody. Well, kind of like COVID. COVID, COVID uh, created a, a, an emergency, so-called, that enabled the government to take Take control of people's choices. Yeah, we saw you know mandatory COVID shots, and we and the government was pushing them on little children that were low risk, and 
with with no understanding of long-term health effects right. or even near-term health effects and on pregnant mothers and 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 on and on, on military people that were you know made a requirement government employees it, it it enabled a government takeover of something the same thing with with this they call it, they create this climate crisis yeah. and it's all you know it's all manufactured in order to take control of, of consumer choices on the cars we buy and the energy we use and 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 up till recently you know the the kind of stoves we use and yeah. i think i think that's sort of backed off now because because about 60% of our of our stoves are natural gas right but, but it's a, it's a big excuse for big government and, and for takeover and and it's it's uh it's, it's really i think you know we use the term marxist uh Influence. I think you know. I don't think that's any kind of conspiracy. That's a reality. I agree, Professor. Really appreciate your commentary on this most important topic, and I hope our listeners will uh, visit your website, uh, Newsmax.com. Your column is. Uh, on point. Also, the book, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Larry Bell. Professor, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's always uh, a great pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you make it a great weekend on the Paradise Coast. Uh, we'll have a great show for you on Monday. In the meantime, again, make it a great weekend. Uh, namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.